Welcome, children. Starving makes it fat by K. Sexton. Matthew stepped onto the scales. Trish, the coordinator, read out his weight. He had lost three pounds, bring, bringing him to his target weight. He had got the loudest cheer of the night. He smiled modestly, under cover of writing down his achievement to his weight warrior's packet card. He looked the woman over. He already had four of them. Angie, Claire, Jane, and Sonia. Could he have Trish too? But he never did coronators. They were inclined to be vengeful, more intelligent than their clients. He got Sharon in the sack tonight. He couldn't have. He wouldn't have to keep, come back next week. And he glanced at her. She blushed. He looked around the room. Angie smithered, summoned. Claire grinned. Jane looked down. Sonia refused to catch his eye. A good haul, of course, they were oblivious to the collective nature. Each thought herself the only recipient of his attentions. These women, these women didn't, didn't boast about sex. He would never have to go away with it if they did. He would never have got away with it if they did. Sometimes when he looked at women, he saw them composed of food, clear, the fast queen, old queen. The vanilla milkshake, fresh tones, a hair, the stringy bleached texture of rescripted French fries, Jane, cocoa coloured skin and candy pink lips, Sonia, the daily dairy made with dimpled fingers, like cheese fingers, acres of creamy curves. He lived, he timed his exit, so Sharon was shoulder to shoulder with him, more accurately her shoulder, mortared but solid, like prime beef sausage, brushed his elbow. She was nearly as wide as he was tall. Her brown moustache showed her insignificant facial reach. Could be. Matthew wished he, she waxed. Smooth skin was more easier to transmute his imagination, especially with his eyes closed. May I feel left home? He spoke gently, both to avoid startling her as she was skittish and to ensure that the other women didn't overhear. Tonight Sharon would be his jailo. He hoped she wasn't a grunter. His heart imagined as his sovereign void tones and lavish love gifts of Rolex and Imax. Yet a woman beneath him was honking and squealing. He hoped she wasn't a virgin either. He hated the tedium of it, and the flowering was almost followed by the most emotional guff. He began to hum beneath his breath. I should be so lucky, lucky, lucky. I should be lucky in love. Sharon giggled. Five hours later, tried and, tried and smelling of magnolia shampoo, but it was all, all he could find in Sharon's bathroom. He escaped. It was easy to get away. Sharon, I'm so sorry. I don't know what came over me. You know, I was getting, I was getting married soon. It's why I'm at weight, boys, to lose weight before the wedding. You just couldn't resist you, but please, can you pretend it's a wonderful dream? I love my fancy. I she would never match up to you physically. Well, she's blind and so no fat woman ever impeded his departure. Once he mentioned a sightless bird to be, he sat in the car and dictated a long message to Liz's mailbox. But it was now it was over to her tonight, fat fighters. It was his last meeting in Stroud. He wouldn't. He could be at home with her in three hours. They had two weeks 
to go over for he it was her turn to come over here. He swung the vulva around Shroud's rain thick stick streets. Overweight woman appreciated a big safe car. Sutton started there, a seat that didn't cramp them. Riding us for the spence that didn't groan under their bulk, with a space to relax and appreciate how Matthew attended to them. The car was his introduction to their bedrooms. It worked every time. Lazy calculated, calculated the takings. Twenty women in twenty weeks. Monday night. Royal Weight Warriors, six women. Tuesday night, Lighter Ladies, six women. Wednesday, Yoga for Weight Loss, only three women bedded here. A disappointing score. Thursday, Fat Fikers, all five women, all of them coy and receptible. His quota was met twenty men, not post notches meant he could go home to Liz, relax for a while. He groaned to imagine how much money they would make from the, these lovelorn these lovelorn fatties they scored. Remembering their strenuous evening with Sharon, catching sight of his forehead in the rear view mirror, he relaxed immediately. Women fell for his boyish toy uh, tra- toys hair sensibly. He couldn't afford frown lines. For a while he had been wondering how how they would make would make their money when he couldn't do this any more. Nobby stayed young and charming forever. And he found it even more worrisome to superpose imaginary women on the chunky bodies he seduced. He never failed yet, one yet one but one day Morbidly beastly really would defeat him. The tickle of warrior's man chance could not translate in his mind all the silky tresses of his vaginal emotion and would wilt forever. This did not worry. She could she she was not she was thinking about the scam to operate when he seized to conquer Weight-challenged women, he could feel reassured, but he didn't. Suppose Liz decided he was expendable. He pushed the thought back to the mental caress from which it had called and resolved to think only about money. Money was his abstuse attack. Oh. If always failed, he imagined the women Buddha-like, who was composed of soft, buttery gold, and infected attractive, then the bigger they were, the better. Good morning. Can I help you, Mrs. Claire Henderson, please? Speaking. The voice was bright, conveying family bubbliness. There was nothing to suggest the speaker was six stone overweight. Liz pondered that. She continued the conversation. Very few women had fat voices. Mrs. Henderson, are you able to speak privately? Or would it be a better time to call you? Why? What's this about? Most of the bubbles had popped now, replaced by flat energy. Liz always wondered how many of them expected that what was coming next, what, pro- what proportion of large unloved, had permission of a certain punishment of their one horizontal transgression. Suppose, she said, two weeks ago you had sex with my man. You don't know, you must have known he didn't want you to, for your looks. Now he wants payment for your service rendered and I'm ringing on his behalf to collect. How would they pay up? But he would, that but that would be the lazy approach, but dear Matt had worked hard. Now it's her turn. Miss Heston, I'm afraid it's not good news. Mr. Matthew Holmes has asked me to contact you on his behalf. Are you alone? 
Yes, I am. What's wrong? Now the voice has leaden, old, and at least as heavy as Anna. Possibly nothing. Do not wish to alarm you unduly, however. There is a louder pool to grow, opening a crack in the universe, which the woman's fears would call. I'm sorry to say, Mrs. Turner, a communicable disease. Another pool, sometimes the woman rushed all to fill it. Sometimes they were mute, never, neither response reliably predicted their future contact. Some goggles once balked at Lizzie's fees and refused her appointments, while silent ones would cave in swiftly, handing over cash for three or four repeat treatments. He's deeply ashamed. He's paid for you to have a private conversation with me to establish whether he has transmitted any infection to you. Conversation should be completely confidential and avoid the need for you to visit your doctor in a clinic for sexual diseases. This use clinic for sexual diseases to shock the women to submission. Miss Hesson was no exception. She accepted she must uh, the first appointment offered to her. This hung up before the woman could bid for reassurance. Time for reward, she hit the media play button on the laptop, at which reward Joe's coming singing No Sodana filled the room. She loved Corollis. He had a big voice bigger than himself, like Pavelo's voice was smaller than the man. Her evening at the office where she sat was a small glimpse of her architecture. Mother of brick and plain windows wrapped her in the comforting illusion of all money. It was a short lease, of course. Six weeks, the scam always started with short lease. She flickered through the spreadsheet, checking the office rentals. After Shroudish Taunton, Matthew, dear boy, would have bedded all the lardy ladies he could manage, and Anita could spend a fortnight dispensing placebo treatments at 500 a pop, and one office in a barn conversion in Townfield, a rather stewed but impressive office there, only then, and then they'd be off to Spain. Nephew would need to restore his tan, and this what lightly Algarve he gave her a chance to expect half a dozen villas which brought in enough genuine income to keep the taxman at bay. She logged into the internet and updated the appointment diary. When Matt got up, he'd be able to get see more of Shroud's largest ladies already waiting in the net. Then she checked her email account. Normally, she was good at spotting spam, but this message got past her, and she found herself confronted by a hideous image, a pale, huge woman to whom a robe clung in a beast detail. It moulded like limping nipples that showed spruce purple through the white fabric. It clung to a vile curves, delining not at the general form, but hugging even the centre-like Satellite craters and deep ominous dumpling under the women's upper arms and thighs. Her legs are spread between them, the seaward truggles of probic hair smeared and nightmare undertones on the wet cloth. A woman's expressions were blank, her eyes are closed, her skin maggots pale. She is dead, transfixed with horror. Her thoughts whirled around the giantess like sparrows caught in a storm. It would be better to be him if as na- it would have been better to be him as naked. The clothing gave serious dignity to her grandiose ugliness. It was terrible to think people paid to look at this vileness. Even worse was the f- this kind of thing daring 
Matthew had to deal with. Poor boy, no wonder he was exalted at the end of seduction period. Suppose a woman like this rolled on top of him in the bed. He'd never get off of her. Get her off. He, she shook her head free of the gruesome picture, deleted the email, hit the pause button so clothes vanished in mid-note, and moved to the next call. Angie Blake was about to have a nightmare come true. Matthew checked the diary. Liz had surpassed herself. Every woman he had penetrated shall had taken up an offer of a free private conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Garvelli. He wondered if any dared refuse the treatment Liz prescribed. Free course of sugar pills discreetly posted on receipt of a check. A day he had to go to a carvery for lunch. He'd be back on duty soon, and he needed to be at least thirty-five pounds overweight for the Taunton diet circuit. Avoid eating all these gorge rose, but he forced down the garlic bread with roast chicken and New York cheesecake. He used as much his imagination on meals as he did on women. He ate fried food. He imagined fresh sardines charred over a fire. On a Spanish beach, his imagination and rich sauces became brilliant olives and creamy sugared coffee turned to sharp wine from our car wine yard. Claire Anderson was a nervous eater. Since discovering Matthew m- might have given her the almighty hellish clap, she had put on six pounds. That was the first thing, she said. She did sighs before speaking. Far too many of them were like this. Didn't they understand the severity of their plight? It was as if... The- if you have content is syphilis, you need to not worry about your weight. What kills you, the disease reduces you to a bald-headed stick. Henderson, whom Matt had nicknamed as Stroud's Sow, had gone a foul shade of dirty white. Her skin was exactly the colour of a peeled banana, but most advertising. This had a special seat for the women. They would be mostly cowed and humiliated. To be convinced to hand over money on a regular basis and a seat was a major triumphant of his suffering. A whole birthing chair patented in the 1950s, its layers concocts relate to, vi- to line of vit- victims. They sat down on it as a fat woman and she turned them into vast mounds of sublime blubber. The ultimate refinement of this nastiness was the way the women were reflected back to themselves in chairs, chrome, surfaces and levers. She polished it herself and transported it in a van Matthew drove. Few women survived the chair with less self-esteem intact. Once her shower cell was installed, Liz pulled on her surgical gloves and resumed her platter. In the back of her head she would hear dear Josie singing some enchanting evening a sow must wish it was I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair but a simple rinse of run wasn't going to work for her she was about to invest in a high maintenance regime of course you're very lucky to call me in a month's time I'm closing my private practice I'm running a fascinating research program for a pharmacy company it'll take up all my time I should support Eight clients already on my box, but I shall not take any new ones now. She poked vaguely at the sow's nivers with a wooden tongue dispresser. Then we wake Claire and Sammy. She placed the instrument in a big clear bag labelled and stripped off the gloves. Only then did she return to the victim. 
to the right position. We hope we have your results within a week. Or, if you'd like wish to pay for premium service, I can have the analysis completed by six this evening. Premium analysis costs several hundred. But however, my courier costs are yet another hundred. So only in my time to call you tonight, home tonight, let's say two hundred. Let's say, oh, we've been handed over two hundred. Is laid out the program. If you should be unfortunate enough to be contacted the disease, you have two choices. You may go to your doctor and request for a treatment, or a long pause with the victim's frightened eyes welled away with salty terror. I could subscribe it for me privately and confidentially. A sow's gusty sigh of relief rattled papers on the desk. This continued in noxically. Some cases clear in 12 weeks, some transgressed ones can buy 24 or even 36 weeks for treatment. Each treatment regime costs six, even £500 and supplied by mail. And in the course of treatment, I'll send you a small kit to use in return to see if you've succeeded in eradicating the disease. Each kit costs £500. But if here she pulls a sow, nodded some physically, several of her chins began random brandling with emotion, shivering sideways or grumbling up and down at eccentric angles. Liz frowned and continued. Today's cancellation has been paid by Mr. Hemley. He wishes to me to convey a serious regret of any distress caused to you. If there's anybody with whom you had sexual contact since then, it was it was a hundred to one against, of course. But every so often, one of these men must have inspired by Matt's intentions to trap another man. It's easy to double that income from one appointment by arranging to examine the poor fool. The patient shook her head, and truthfully, there was no surprise. Generally, if they were fat, they were still so stupid and gullible, naive. They were scared to consult their own doctors. They were too little life experience to see that they were being gold. Normal people, normal fat people, would never fall for this kind of thing. She knew it served them right. Good, said Lisa. When we... What, then we don't have to notify anyone else. If you like, would like to arrange, arrange your clothing, I'll, I'll call ring the laboratory on my mobile and organise the primary analysis. Once outside, Lisa inhaled the wet, shriveled air and greedily she would give the picket of a woman long enough to poke through the papers on her desk. If it was inquisitive, it, she would be assured by a letter asking Dr. Liz to sit on a Royal Commission target tickets for a ballot, a ballot and receipt for annual servicing at Porsche. All forged, of course, Liz was good at it. She knew how to cover her back, even if one of the women had second thoughts. She would remember Dr. Fanner had already given left general practice to minister research, so there would be no obvious way to check up her credentials. She texted a quick text message, texted a quick message to Matt, reminding him to buy sun cream for their old golf trip. She missed a call while she was dealing with herself, but when she hit the replay button, it was nothing but a strange underwater sighting, like Well's song. She deleted it. Matt stared joyfully at his chicken. It reminded him of the wrenched hips of a 
big woman with poor circulation, a kind of woman he knew only too well. The cheesecake was pale and flat, like a woman with features smooth by excess weight. Raisins took the place of small eyes, glinting from hurt and shock. For the first time he failed to finish his dessert. He looked at the cheesecake, crumbled pale slabs, rich golden rolls, very sheeny acres of self-catteries, like the spread limbs of victims. He stumbled from the restaurant without leaving a tip. The sow was sent off, lumbering and fearful. Lisa turned to lunch. She had lifted a vacuum flask of bologna from her bag and opened a fridge to exact a table-laid medical supplies refrigerate. From it, she took a pack of pre-packed salad. As she slipped her soup, she studied the hand holding a spoon. Wristbones showed elegantly through amber skin and the that diet of sun kept lean and glowing. Matt called her his gazelle. He'd never been fat, nor even plump. Even though for a while she'd been a fat woman in the mirror, she surprised people who had blubber, except for sweet radicals. He had to bulk up for work. She knew he worried about his drastic weight swings, their scheme required, but she said dieting would never done her any harm, which reassured him. Idly, she flicked up the laptop screen, wondering if he emailed her. He didn't look like it, but had, had he, but he had stored a new desktop image, sweet boy. It was a marble, or perhaps ice, something blue-white and chilly anyway. The draperies of a Greek statue, white scotch of snow in the Arctic. She shivered, 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 peering closer. She took saw a blue hollow like a navel, darkly lavender. Shadows were folds of white fabric dawn across the body. It's a close up of the disgusting female she'd seen in the email earlier. It must have, it could, must have been contained a virus that invaded the machine. How ghastly. She slammed the laptop shut. Suddenly she didn't feel hungry. She made up a new treatment packs to post out and have some salad. She didn't want to get too thin. She was in control of her, of course. It didn't control her anymore. So she leaned that she learned that so no, she learned that lesson. It's understandable. She lost her upset when appetite when she saw that grotesque monster, that hideous creature on a laptop screen. involuntarily her eyes turned to the closed laptop and she shivered again. Eat first work work, then lunch. She was dieting managing a diet. She wouldn't eat. She wouldn't wasn't making excuses to skip a meal. She didn't do that anymore. Matthew felt fat. Gravity pulled his six course meal down and his heart with it. He was soundly, roundly, utterly in distress. He sat in the car for a while, trying to summon the energy dry. Big lunches always left his this, did this. Drained his viability and left him prostrate with vulnerability. Perhaps eventually he turned the key, wishing Liz would hurry up and think of another way to make money. Liz looked at the neat pile of padded brown envelopes, discreet and lucrative. She wondered how much longer Matt would play his role. One, the woman wouldn't follow up on Liz's test kit by placing a new order. Odd. Liz flicked through the address labels, unwilling to open the laptop and look at the spreadsheet of the names there. 
It was Sidney Edwards, a first course completed two weeks ago. Kit used and returned to the P.O. box that Liz maintained for just that purpose. Liz had sent a standard letter saying Miss Edwards was not let clear of disease, but a new treatment would probably resolve the situation. No reply. Who was? Which one was Edwards? Oh, yes, the Grantham growing Changlia. Probably the biggest woman Liz had ever, had ever seen a chair creaked and groaned under her weight like a foundering ship, which too it would be a shame if he didn't pay for a new course of treatment. Something else about the Edwards woman nagged her mind, manacles. That was it. When Matt got to the human's, woman's huge hat, as he found a pair of handcuffs hanging over the front door, he wondered what he was getting up to. Into it turned out that handcuffs for the women's logo, meant to show her business was manacled to the big software companies. Edwards had described her himself to Matt as the key that unlocked the cuffs for her business. She used to, she said she was just hated the way people were tricked into paying for things they didn't need and couldn't use just because technology moved too fast. So fast. A phone beeped, probably Matt ringing that, to tell her he had for, what he had for lunch. She grabbed it, and the same sound again, eerie sighting, sighing long bubbling ripples like waves on a beach. It must be at fault. She looked at the screen and saw an image from it forming from positive slowness. Maybe it was an advert scuba diving, typical holidays. A beach holiday would be fun. They could skip Spain this time and go to the Caribbean. The woman fit was the image resolved its plodded into a plodded arm. Pale as marble, momental, powerful, it flexed and turned as though reacting for some. Reaching the time you dipped water, the huge wet hand plunged at the screen, fingers spread wide. Liz felt her throat construct of Vast power squeezed her airways shut, scooting backwards on a wheelchair. She tried to escape the pressure on her throat. Her hands fluttered around her neck. Her big bird-like bones, no match for the strength that held her. Terror congested her face and panicked her heart into surges and troughs. By degrees as she quietened until she sat there, eyes wide and dark, staring at nothing. Her hands fell to her sides, shaping a gentle competition of loss. Even in the death, she was ele- inelegant. Matt felt a bump. He had run over something. Surely he had seen it, though. He glanced in the mirror. Nothing in the road. Nothing, another bump. Harder. Was nothing? Was something trapped beneath the car? A third bump, this time a bang, bang on the grill. So violent it made the steering wheel shudder. He thought he saw a vague white shape. He shook his head. Two... Hard, too much food had made him slow. He needed to pull over and work out what had happened. The next blow struck the car from behind, so it flung forward, carrying around the road, along the road, in the car, rear car, in the rear window. Matt could see a huge dent in the boot. He struggled to regain control, but the vehicle jolted along, a furrow punted by a giant fist fendering crumpled and dints of the size of footballs appeared on the bonnet and wings. Within s- seconds, the car banged off the road and embedded itself in a small grove of trees at airbank. Inflated and deflated, but Matt was past saving. His neck had snapped, his head hung at an obscure angle, eyes glazing 
sat it down at his well-nourished frame. Sarge, you remember that Edwards woman? W.D.P. Carter asked. I'll be in Coldbane Hill before I forget her. Be a cold day in hill before I forget her, said the desk sergeant. The nastiest suicide ever seen. What kind of woman handcuffs herself to steps at the deep end of her own swimming pool? A rich person quit Carter before returning to her task. Anyway, it's pulled that, that relates to her. Set, set what? Don't, don't start what you can't, can't finish. That includes senses. A sergeant had an aspirin for every solution. Well, you know that vehicle, the vehicle of death, I queried. Man who driven his Volvo into a wood. The reason I asked for details was the trace evidence suggested he would hit somebody. No victim was found, but the scene of the crime of seven fortune. It was a person wearing a cotton garment impregnated with chlorine. He found blood, poor water, and scraping clothing scrapes adhering to the car. Do you really? Did you? Re- they really? The sergeant paused a second and shook his head and was. Carried on filing in the day book. Edwards woman with cuts on her legs and hands, remember? When we queried him, the pathologist said they were conclusive. It could have. It must have been happened post mortem because they hadn't bled. There was no evidence of anything in the pool which could cause that. WC, WC Paul Carter wasn't sure where she was going with this. Where she was going with this conversation, she didn't like anything about it. Um, it was suicide. It was such a grim business. They called to the house by a hysterical cleaning woman. Cynthia Edwards had climbed into her pool, cluffed herself to the steps, and sat down to die. She had been a big woman, huge in fact. They had to drain the pool to get her out. There was no obvious reason for her to kill herself. She's rich and solvent. Apparently, she seemed happy enough recently. Her business as an internet technology consultant was lucrative enough for her to purchase. It was a central mansion on the outskirts of town. Until around three months ago, she had been a member of some strip, some diet club. She recently visited a Harley Street clinic, which refused to disclose anything. To, to say the health concern had brought her, her to them was a false alarm. She had been not, um, not a, been unwell, was suffering any disease that hadn't, wasn't triggered. A death wish, but the bulk of her sitting in Cape Pasteborn Pale under the lucrative water and haunted the officers called to the stream. There was nothing horribly powerful at her, something horribly powerful about her, even in death, something stubborn and forcible protecting from her, and surrounded the stream in, with a tangible, threatening misery. Worse than all it. Of it was Carl in the background, wobbling. I have been so lucky, lucky, lucky. Carly, so in the background, I could be so lucky, 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 lucky. It had to be indelibly sick and it had to commit suicide to the sound of Carly in love. And so, the way I see it, Sarge, we've got a car that drove off the road after hitting someone wearing cotton clothing and dripping pool water. we got a dead woman wearing the up tall cotton road and lots of cuts and bruises. Doesn't that sound odd to you? The only problem is we found Sylvia was dead about uh, two days before the crash. W.C. Carter, if I if I were you, 
I'll keep my wild imaginations to myself. The sergeant moved closer through to here, over her shoulder, on the facts. What? What's that, then? There's not a hit and run report. No, it's not. It's a murder. Elizabeth Cadell, the wife of the man who died in the car crash, she found strangled in her office earlier today. Notice the fingerprints on her neck shows the killer was very large and co- covered in chlorine. Odd, said the sergeant. Hmm. Something else too, Carter shivered. Same music playing at all the scenes. The swimming pool. Scar, star, car radio. Stereo and laptop all belted up, coming low and saying, I should be lucky, lucky, lucky.